This is the Financial Side of Life podcast, episode 21. Welcome to the Financial Side of Life podcast. Our mission, to empower you with smart financial strategies and show that it's possible to get a college education, save, invest, retire, or do whatever makes sense to help you live your best life. We'll meet amazing people and professionals who will share stories about how they do it, and together we hope to bring a little sanity to your complex financial life. And now, here is your host, Certified Financial Planner Pro and founder of Avea Financial Planning, Angie Ferbotten-LaRossi. Hey everybody, Angie Ferbotten-LaRossi here, and I want to welcome you to the Financial Side of Life podcast. Today my guests are Jackie Ferrato and Luke Miner. They are with the Washington College Savings Plans, which includes two plans now. The first is the GET, and that stands for Guaranteed Education Tuition Program, and the new one, which just started last year, called Dream Ahead, which is an investment-based plan. So I'd like to welcome Jackie and Luke to my program. Thank welcome. You. Yeah, thank you, Angie. Glad to be here. Thank you. So I want to remind you, it was just about a year ago that we last talked about the 529 and the GET and the new Dream Ahead plan. So here we are one year later, um, ready to get an update. And so I kind of wanted to just start by asking you guys um, a little bit about what 529s are, a little bit specifically about the GET and the Dream Ahead plans, uh, what they are and how they work. Okay, yeah, so 529 plans are tax-advantaged college savings plans. Nearly every state in the nation offers these. These are state-sponsored college savings plans. So the state offers it. Uh, they can take on a variety of forms. As you mentioned, our state uh, has the GET program, which is a prepaid tuition plan, and we also have an investment-based plan. So the prepaid tuition model works by keeping up hedging against future tuition inflation, usually at the state's universities. And the goal is to provide families more of an insurance-like product. You pay us at price today with the guarantee that no matter what happens to future tuition, it keeps up. Now with the college investment side, like the Dream Ahead program, you're talking about something that works more like a 401k plan for retirement is you have a choice of portfolios, they're investment-based, and so your return on investment is subject to market activity. So it doesn't have the same kind of guarantee that a program like GET has, but it provides additional flexibility for investors, especially investors who are more comfortable with market-based financial products. And like retirement, there are age-based plans you can set up where you can choose, this is the year my student's going to college, and the plan automatically adjusts over time to optimize your investments for whatever life stage you're saving for. Okay, terrific. Um, so the Dream Ahead started about May last year? Yeah, right? we, we launched in April, late April last April. year. And so we're just about hitting the year mark. And it's been, it's been a wild ride. Um, as you indicated, we were last talking to you and we had a lot of interesting things uh, pending. And now we've worked through a lot of those. And uh, it's, it's just a really interesting and exciting time for us to offer new options to uh, families in the state. So let's go back a little bit to last summer when the transition was starting with the, you know, from GET. GET gave, uh, the program gave families some options as to what they could do. They could stay at GET. They could um, do a rollover into the new Dream Ahead with an incentive pricing. And seems like there was something else, a refund. <laughs> and so what, what kind of happened in that whole situation? How did that transpire? 
So, so we had been working on, on creating the Dream Ahead College Investment Plan for the last couple of years. And just about the time that we were opening the plan, uh, a legislator got an idea of how to give kind of a jump start to the plan, get people interested in trying the plan out. Uh, so he proposed a piece of legislation that would incentivize GET customers to roll over their GET accounts to Dream Ahead. And in exchange, they get a premium over their current payout value. And how that worked out for customers who elected to do that was they got a 38% premium over last year's uh, payout value. And it was an uh, interesting time because he proposed this idea, and what was uh, there were some concerns expressed by other legislators about what kind of message is this sending get customers. And so the interesting thing is the bill went through the process. It came out with some benefits for get customers as well because what they landed on was wanting to offer additional value to customers no matter what choice they made. So it made an, the decision in some ways more complicated for customers, but easier in other ways because they could go with the plan that felt like it was a better fit for their family and their savings goals. And that's really what we saw uh, come out of that legislation. Now, as far as implementing that legislation, it was, it was really interesting, right? Because we had this 90-day period of time where GET customers had to make a decision. Do I want to stay and GET, just keep my money there, there was no action required on their part. However, if they wanted to roll the dream ahead and get this incentive in trade for giving up their state guarantee, they could do that, but they had to act within a 90-day window. And then we also had uh, extensive processing time and let alone all the time to talk people through um, through their options because we're, we're not financial advisors. We're not able to give that information directly. So. We referred people to people like yourself who are experts in that field of, you know, how does this make sense for my family and our savings goals? And so that was a hard conversation sometimes because we really like to be helpful and accommodating for customers. But at the end of the day, it was their decision to make. Right. And we could just provide them information. And Yeah. And one of the things we saw a lot and heard a lot, um, people, people understood, I think, that the importance of making the decision about uh, staying or going uh, had a lot to do with timing, meaning how old are their children right now. Right. So most of the people who took the um, incentive to do the rollover had children who were ready to start college either that year or within a year. And it made the most sense. And um, there was arguably no way that we would say that that didn't make any sense at all. But then there were families who had younger children who really understood that waiting it out, they felt more com comfortable with the guarantee. And we started to remind people too that, you know, even though the incentive part is a one moment in time option, it doesn't mean that they can't take advantage of that later on for the purpose of saving in multiple ways. Mm -hmm. And so once we were really getting that information pushed out there to people, um, we were really seeing kind of like the division where people were who were very comfortable with GET were like, nope, um, this matters to me, and I'm glad I've got another option as my kids get older. And then those who had older kids, they were like, well, this makes a lot of sense because now, you know, my kids are going to a private school or they're going out of state. And the bump up in that incentive was really going to help them yeah. um, ultimately, which is, you know, our goal, too, is to help students not be overburdened with debt. Right. Yeah. And it does it does that for sure. So one of the things when I kind of first learned about these options with that nice incentive, I was just a smidge suspicious, you know, and it's like, so why do they want me rolling my get units into Dream Ahead? And the viability thing came to mind first, just because I, I'm kind of aware of what's going on in other prepaid plans throughout the country. 
not all of them are strong and not all of them have a good reputation. And so that was just something that kind of came into my head. Can you speak to the viability of, of the plan and, and uh, the GET in particular? Yeah, definitely. As far as the viability of GET in the near term, uh, I think what happened during the legislative process last year really demonstrates our legislature's commitment to keeping this program a long-term solution for families. And certainly, I think we've we've recognized through this process the need to really double down on what makes GET special and unique. It's a very unique and special program that works much differently than other investment options. And, and that should be something we're proud of and, and know that not every family is, it's not going to appeal to every family. It's, um, and that's okay. And that's why we also offer Dream Ahead. And so I see a very bright future for both programs. And as far as the viability, its ability to sustain itself in the long term, you know, Gets had a, a long road and was in a situation that a lot of other prepaid plans and pension funds have found themselves in following the recession. You know, um, well, in, in the case of prepaid plans specifically, you had the recession, so markets struggling. At this, the natural reaction for tuition is to go up after that. After the recession, there were four years of double-digit tuition growth, mm-hmm. and that's where that put the greatest amount of strain on our fund that we'd ever seen, and we actually got down under 80% funded for the first time in the program's history, and there was a lot of concern at that time of what is this future liability going to look like to the state, but... You know, through that process, the state actually spent a lot of time educating all stakeholders involved of these are long-term programs and we can't react to short-term. Uh, you know, we have to obviously be responsible and manage this risk to the state, but at the same time, it's a, a long-term picture. And so, you know, just within four to five years of tuition stabilizing and markets recovering, we were back over 100% funded. And then we're in a position where we were last year. One of the reasons um, the, the senator proposed the piece of legislation was because GET was uh, at one point in time 140% funded, and now um, we're back down to 125% funded. But we're in a financial position to be able to provide additional value back to GET customers uh, who had, you know, the fund had benefited from the recovery uh, of the economy and, and flattening of tuition. Okay. Yeah, so that gave back to, to the the customers who, again, you know, the ones who were using their units right away or even ones who had paid a much higher price for those units as we were seeing large tuition increases. And so that timing of it was really appropriate for them. And I think that was one of the things that, um, as you mentioned, you know, like it seemed a little suspicious, but what was going on in the background? And it was the the fact that, you know, it was overfunded. And so what better way than to help people land into another 529 plan with the same benefits as the GET program in terms of where it's used, what it's used for in the tax benefit, but to give them that bump up so that they can now use it and not be worried because tuition just decreased, right? So over the big picture view was really about um, making sure that families who had kids in different age groups were still getting the same assurance and benefit out of it. So, And then the other part of that um, period last summer was if, if you stayed in the get, you could be, you could get up to two adjustments. And so that could word yeah. deterred me because I, I had a sure thing <laughs> with right, that right. incentive versus a could. Right. And so can you talk a little bit about what did actually happen? What transpired with the adjustments? Yeah. And you know, that, that, that word could was a big challenge for our customers. And that was a hard, a hard conversation for us to have because we like to speak in specifics as well. We like to be able to predict the future and say what's going to happen. But the, 
the way these benefits came out were contingent upon what happened in the first yeah, phase. So yeah, yeah. the first thing we had to see is is how many, you know, it's kind of circular, right? We had to see how many people were interested in doing this rollover to dream ahead, but they had to make this decision on imperfect information. But but that was the reality and that was kind of, so we shared as much as we could about how the adjustments would work. What we generally knew um, coming out of the gate once the legislation passed is, your first option is to roll your funds over to Dream Ahead, and we know we're going to take a measurement at a certain date to calculate what that value will be, and then we'll tell you what that is. Uh, this, and then the second option being, well, really two other options. You stay and get, or the third option is you could refund it. And at the time, we were still running our non-penalty refund policy, so you didn't necessarily get any additional benefits through that, but you could take your money out without penalty. Now, the option to stay and get, like you said, had two options associated with it. So the one thing that was that was a known was if you were a customer, a subset of our customers who paid higher prices for your units, you were going to get compensated to offset those higher prices you paid to bring your pricing back in line with people who are now buying in at a much lower rate of $113 a unit. We had customers at one point in time had paid over $150 per unit, and that was after adjusting for... That was me. (laughs) I had some at that rate, yeah. Yeah, and that was after adjusting for an amount that we had given back to them previously after the program had recovered. And so beyond that, the the final adjustment that would affect all customers was the the big unknown because what we had to do was once all those first two phases happened, our actuary took a measurement to say what funded level is the program at. And if that level is above 125%, we then have the ability to give back additional units to all remaining customers. And so fortunately, what we found is, is once he took that measurement and provided that to our committee, we determined we could give about 8% more units back to customers. But as you said, that was, that was a hard decision for customers to make uh, on faith because um, we didn't know if we were going to have anything on the table to be able to give an adjustment back or how much that would be. But... Um, but, you know, fortunately we were able to do that at the end of the day and people knew that there was, there was some potential benefit waiting for them if, if they were just comfortable with the gap model and that's what they wanted to do. And so, yeah. And, and phase one and, and, and step one in phase two, you know, where get customers, um, who had bought purchase units at those higher rates, they were the ones we, our contact center did a really good job too of trying, and our website with FAQs, we were trying to really um, encourage people to do their own research too, because their everybody's account could be was different. So every really phone was. call was mm-hmm. looking at everybody's account. So we were trying to help them look at what does your account look like. So what you know, at what set of unit prices could you potentially expect to have units purchased? And so once we got into that rhythm of helping them help themselves a little bit, um, there was an, uh, more of an assurance for people and, and you know, they were more comfortable with, uh, un, with, with the unknown, mm-hmm. but with an expectation because they did their own math, so to speak, you know. And like Luke said, though, the last one was going to be, until we know all of this, we're all in the dark, you know. Yeah. yeah. So it, I think it went well, though, you know. In fact, the uh, the tail end of that um, happened, and every customer who was affected by it or uh, in a positive way was notified. So. Yeah, and, and so the end result, you're probably curious to know how that all, all shook out. So before we offered this incentive, we had about 95,000 GET customers 
and about just over 90,000 of them were eligible to take part in this because we did have some people, we, you know, we were open for enrollment while this was happening. And so brand new customers who came in um, after 2015 uh, weren't able to participate in, in these options. It was for people who are into the program before the College Affordability Program passed, and that was what lowered tuition in our state. And so what we came out with was about 26,000 or close to 27,000 accounts, get accounts that rolled over to Dream Ahead that represented about close to $900 million worth of the assets in the $2 billion get trust fund. And so what was remaining is about $1.2 billion in get and about 60,000 accounts. And so as you can see, uh, a large amount of, of the f actual dollars rolled over, and partly that was because of the incentive. And partly because, as Jackie said, we had a lot of customers with a lot of units in their accounts who were getting ready to use their units or may have already hit their benefit use here. And they were kind of waiting to see what would happen through all of this. And so, so we did see a larger um, share of, of money roll over compared to the number of accounts that rolled over. But both programs are now um, similar sized, gets still a little bit bigger than Dream Ahead. But... Both are kind of on, in a way, kind of on equal equal mm -hmm. footing, equal playing field, and that's kind of how we're putting them out there in the marketplace for people to evaluate them side by side and say, you know what, you know, going forward for new customers who have never heard of these programs before, how do I learn about these? How do I know the benefits of each one? How they can work together if I'm interested in doing that? Mm -hmm. And um, what just works for my families, the age of my children, my savings goals, all those things that you would review with the family as you look at their financial situation. Right. Okay. I would I would suspect that the fact that this all occurred was like great publicity for get in general or for the 529 plans in general because it was in the news, it was in the paper, it was kind of not top of mind, but it was definitely out there more so than it would be on a normal year. Did you get did you get more new customers? Did you get some media exposure or how did that all play out? Yeah, we definitely had a lot of attention on the program and you know the a lot of it was really kind of get getting technical. Uh, Catherine Long with the Seattle Times, for example, wrote a series of articles that were getting really technical and helping get cus. It was really a, a resource for get customers. It was an independent source to help them have other food for thought about what they wanted to do with their savings. And so it, it certainly did provide a PR opportunity. However, you know. Um, when you're talking about you know a stressful financial situation for families and you're speaking to the the people who are already saving with the plan a lot of it was a uh, something if you weren't a get customer and you didn't have that context it'd be hard to fully understand you know these changes that are happening so i think there was opportunities and challenges with that i think having that conversation be happen so publicly was a very beneficial thing it was very transparent about what the options were before people the things they need to consider, but it also had the potential to create some confusion for people who weren't familiar with these programs and who are trying to learn about them. And okay, me as a new customer today, does this mean any? Does any of this mean anything to me, or or what should I know about? Is this something that could happen to me in the future? And so, so yeah, I, I think it was a, a interesting time, is what I would say. But certainly, it, it did elevate the profile of both Get and Dream Ahead, and certainly helped Dream Ahead out in just making people aware that it even existed because we had just opened the program. So. Well, the other thing it did um, is like we have the benefit of looking backwards in time, right? <clears throat> that 2020 hindsight is 2020, right? right? And so, from what that what could have been a very cha and challenging as it was um, situation 
it is now, as we're now a year later into it, and GET is reopened, you know, and we've been reopened now for two years, and, you know, people are still continuing to open accounts, and then Dream Ahead has had its experience for a year now. And so what people are recognizing as they start to see our logo, see our commercial, see us out at places and interacting with this is that they've got a little bit of some history as to something that they heard, and now they're wanting to know more. So it, even though the moment in time a year ago could have been you know, like, ah, that isn't exactly the kind of press we wanted to have. It has opened the door for really open dialogue now and people to have, show that interest and and to, and to have an expectation of, you know, when things seem a little weathered, how, how uh, programs like this have rise above that. So. Right. And earlier we were talking a little bit about <clears throat> how people don't even necessarily, they're not aware of 529 plans. And even if they're aware of them, they don't use them. Right. And so just having any kind of public outreach or public education is beneficial, yeah. I think. Yeah. I know it, it probably didn't feel good at the time to have any kind of negative publicity, but, you know, any publicity is good publicity, right. isn't it? You know, yeah. right. well, what Hollywood says. Oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely. And, uh, and sorry I jumped in there, but just another piece to tack on to what you're saying is that the overall awareness is low in the 529 industry, and we know this. And we, as an industry nationwide, have are making a concerted effort to really elevate the exposure of 529 plans and make them a household name like 401k. Um, that That's our goal. And there's actually a national awareness campaign happening right now that we're participating in with, I believe, 27 other states who have opted into this national program where we're doing a, a joint marketing effort through some PBS Kids programming uh, to bring to bring a message, a public service announcement about college savings, and then a whole bunch of other tools to go with that. So a family goes to a website to learn more about that. And I think what what that illustrates to me is something really cool. Is sure there's a competitiveness to a degree between us and other states 529 plans, especially uh, with plans like Dream Ahead, where it doesn't have to be your own state's residents that participate. But we all see the value in growing the industry and in in each other's shared success. And so. We, we are very open with people that get or dream ahead may not be the best option as you do your research. You may see another plan that works better for your family and your savings goals, and we're very open to that. Our goal is to educate the community, get people aware of these plans, and then choose the pathway that, that works best for them. Mm-hmm. So, And it's interesting you use the word uh, 401k because there's some new potential legis- legislation, which I think is called HR 529, that they, they are talking about kind of incorporating 529 plans, much like a 401k, where an employer can offer it as a benefit to their employees, and they would be able to maybe pre-tax, you know, put money into these plans, and it would be a deduction to the employer, perhaps. So there's some new legislation, which might make it a little more of a household word or something that people are more familiar with. Um, I don't know that that's in place yet, but think it's on the horizon. Yeah, it's, it's active legislation right now that would have other enhancements to 529s too that, that again, would, would elevate their awareness just because they now impact more people uh, in a variety of situations. Like we were, you know, talking, you know, just before we got started too about like apprenticeship programs and the fact that student loan repayment, there are a variety of things that people are exploring to have um, 529 plans be an eligible expense for, for 529 plans. And so... So yeah, there, there's a lot of really cool developments, uh, some of them that have, have taken place and others that are still just conversations. But everyone's looking at how, 
you know, how to help families overall with this, their financial picture and how to reduce future student loan debt. And that that's a growing issue in this country and Absolutely. something we need to get ahead of. And so I think a lot of people are just trying to get their brains around this. And uh, 5G9 is a vehicle that could certainly help with that, both, you know, on the front end and the back end. Right. And I, I hope they do incorporate that uh, ability to pay off student loan debt with any residual 529 money because as a parent who's saving for a child and your child might be six years old or even younger, not knowing how much to save and how much I might have left over is sort of a deterrent to saving more. And so that just kind of eliminates one more barrier to getting started. So I thought we could play a little bit of a game. Um, I recently came across a list of myths. I would call them 529 myths, and I thought we could play a game called Debunk the 529 Myth Game. That sounds like fun. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that sounds right so, I have to look here and see which ones I want to ask. Um, I'll just start with the first one. I can only open the 529 savings plan that or plans that are offered in my state. So there are two types of 529s, and we mentioned them earlier. There's prepaid, which is what the GET program is, and then an investment type of 529 plan, which is what <clears throat> Dream Ahead is. And so for the investment type plans, anybody from anywhere can open investment type 529 plan, so there's no residency requirement. But the states that do offer a prepaid plan, <clears throat> so our like our state's guaranteed education tuition plan, there would be an expectation that either the account owner or that student beneficiary is living in that state at the time of enrollment. Okay. And another interesting uh, point about that all, too, is, is some states, Washington not being one of them, is offer state income tax benefits. Right. Washington does not offer that. And so um, sometimes states will have recapture provisions um, if you move out of state uh, and you've gotten a state income tax uh, benefit on the contributions you've made to an account. So there, there might be state uh, uh, residency restrictions around state-provided tax benefits, but certainly for the federal benefits, that most plans are accessible to everyone, like mm -hmm. with the exception of what Jackie mentioned. So, and like you say, there are benefits in your state if you have state income tax mm -hmm. to getting a state income tax deduction for using your own state's plan, right. which we don't have in Washington. We have no right. income tax. Right. Exactly. Okay. Kind of as a segue into that same kind of question line of questioning, I can only use my 529 savings in colleges within my state. Aha, that's not true either. I know. <laughs> Common misconception. No, yeah, yeah and, it and is. That's especially true uh, with, with prepaid programs like GET because GET, it, we speak so much about how it interacts with in-state tuition rates and all that. But even GET, a program that specific, allows you to use it anywhere in nearly any accredited college in, in the country and even international institutions. If they, it's The criteria is if they participate in federal financial aid programs. Um, and so that may, means it's broad. It's not just four-year universities. It's right. community college, technical college, all sorts of places. Hair, so. hair styling school. Exactly. I, I was looking up for someone airplane flight schools, and I was trying to find flight schools. And there are some that are federally, um, they're FAFSA schools, so they're federal schools. Um, how would it work then if you were to go out of state with a GET, with GET units? So when earlier when Luke was mentioning um, how the GET keeps up with the tuition rates, uh, in-state tuition at a Washington public school. So the value of a GET account is going to keep up with UW and WSU's tuition. So that becomes then a spot of money 
that can just be used, that a family will just pull from to pay for any eligible expense um, at whatever school or um, a student is attempting to go to or, or planning to attend. So a good example is that if the tuition is uh, the highest is UW, uh, Tacoma, the year a student is going to school, then the value of the account is is left at that. But if they end up going to a public a public school out of state or a private school out of state, it's going to cost a little bit more than the in-state public tuition at the UW Tacoma, right? Mm -hmm. So then the family could use that money towards it and then have other resources in place to cover those other or additional expenses. So that's why it's always a good idea to have uh, both types of 529 plans. So having a get account assures the, the, you know, the guarantee on the value of it keeping up with in-state tuition. But then having an investment type of 529 plan will also benefit for those other additional expenses or times if the student actually is attending a school that costs more than that. Okay, terrific. Yeah. Okay, another myth. Only parents can open 529 plans for their kids. Oh man, yet another, yet another one. So, um, yes, parents, grandparents, uh, even family friends. I mean, anyone can open an account. Uh, you know, the limitations are are pretty broad, being that someone has to be a U.S. citizen or resident alien. But beyond that, the relationship to the beneficiary can be any number of uh, relationships. And so, we often see about 14% of our accounts within the GET program, for example, are open by non-parents, and most of those being grandparents. Yeah. But aunts and uncles, you know, foster parents, uh, just a family friend, you know, someone that your family calls Uncle Joe, who's just really your dad's best friend or something <laughs> like that, could could open an account for, for your kids. So it's, yeah. it's really flexible, and people can open accounts for themselves if they right. envision they might be going back to school one day and want to put some savings aside, you can certainly name yourself as a beneficiary, which is actually also a helpful tool for if you're expecting to have a child, you can open an account and name yourself as a beneficiary so that you can get those, you know, the baby shower gifts going into your college <laughs> savings account before your baby's even born. And so mm -hmm. people get really creative with, uh, with this, and we're seeing more and more of this crowdfunding attitude towards college savings because, as we all know, it's, it's getting more expensive. And, you know, what better way than to have the people around you, you know, help lift a child up and uh, help with their financial future. Mm -hmm. Right. Takes a village. I mean, yeah. kind of like yeah. you have talked about before, Jackie. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. Another myth. I will lose my money if my child doesn't go to the college, doesn't go to college, or they get a scholarship. And, yeah, we keep running into those uncommon uh, or those common misconceptions. Mm -hmm. So. Um, one of the first things we always uh, uh, suggest to a family whose kids are graduated from high school and they say, I'm not going to go to college, and the parent has then said, oh my gosh, what do we do with all that money that we saved it, and are we going to lose it? And so the very first thing we tell them is to wait it out a little bit because yeah. a lot can happen mm -hmm. over even a short period of time. So a student doesn't have to use it immediately. Um, waiting it out and giving the student a chance to, chance to decide what they're going to pursue transferring it to another family member. So I did that, my two kids, you know, once they made the decision about what they were going to do. And then in my world, they became parents themselves and we just transferred that money right. down to their children. So transferring is always an option. And refunding, um, we've always told people, this is your money and it's it's being earmarked for college and future college expenses. Mm -hmm. So there are very specific um, guidelines for that, the tax advantage in, in with that. So if they ever take a refund, then they're gonna be paying taxes and a penalty fee on the earnings portion of that. But we always, especially if the people are calling into our contact center and talking about their accounts to our, our team there, they're always encouraging people to look at other ways that they can be used. Yeah. 
and a lot of times people will say, I didn't even know that. Right. You know, mm-hmm. didn't know I could transfer it or yeah. I didn't know I could wait, that kind of thing. So there's yeah. kind of a lot of not rules, but there's a lot of details to these plans. And yeah. so for the average person to know them is not really yeah. reasonable, really. Right. You got to take the time down. Yeah. And in regards to scholarships, I mean, that's a good thing. We want kids to be pursuing scholarships, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so if the student is getting some scholarships, they may be conditional. So scholarship may only cover tuition, but what about room and board mm-hmm. and books and supplies? Or what about, do we know that the student will get that scholarship again in the future? Right. You know? Year after so year. So taking advantage of leaving it alone alone, using it just for room and board, you know, transferring it maybe to another family member who didn't get a scholarship and may need more money, you know. Right. And and again, there are options for refunding under scholarships, but those would be things that they would want to, um, the account owner would want to pay particular attention to reading what that plan's policy is on refunding so that they were yeah. very aware before they made any decision to do that. Would you say that the different states' plans have different types of refund policies or not so different? I would say they're all pretty consistent because uh, most states do offer these the savings uh, type model or the investment-based model, and that's simply a non-qualified distribution. You just take your funds out at whatever time if you decide you're not going to use them for that. The prepaids are where it gets interesting, and we actually are in a true refund situation. In, in Getz's case, um, you, you still get whatever that then payout is whenever you go to take your non-qualified distribution or refund. But, but yeah, we have a unique set of rules. There are some state penalties associated with taking out that refund in tandem with the federal penalties. And everything always applies to the gain, uh, gain amount in your yeah. account. But, but yeah, as far as the investment-based models, that's a, a non-qualified distribution. And so that's not even fees on the part of the plan. That's between the IRS and the participant. Right. So. Yeah. Okay. One more myth. Uh, financial aid awards will be impacted by money saved in a 529 plan. Yeah, that's that's been a very uh, challenging conversation in the industry because the answer is not really. It's But you have to have the not really part because there is an interaction with financial aid. Right. Every family has to calculate what's called the expected family contribution. The benefit of 529 plans is they make up a relatively small piece of that calculation because they're, as long as they're owned by a parent, or a dependent student, then it's counted as a parental asset, meaning only five and a half percent or 5.65 percent mm-hmm. yep. of that yep. asset is counted uh, in the expected family contribution formula. However, there you can run into situations where it has a higher impact, such as a uh, 529 account owned by a grandparent. It's not recognized at all in the FAFSA in the first year, but as soon as a distribution is made from that, two years later when you're doing your two your look back to do the FAFSA, you, that would be counted as student income and have up to 50 percent uh, of that distribution could be reported on, reportable on the FAFSA for the mm-hmm. expected family contribution. So we always encourage families to talk with their financial advisor when it comes time for that or the financial aid office at their school to better understand the interaction. But the benefit is in the most typical situations, 529 plans have a very small impact on the financial aid formula. And the other thing to keep in mind is that often financial aid will come in the form of loans. It's not just grants <laughs> and scholarships. It's it's loans that need to be repaid later. And so reducing any future loans is, is not a bad thing. There's mm-hmm. there's really not a downside uh, to saving ahead of time. And, um, and, and so that's what we share with people. Interestingly, though, at a federal level, there is a lot of work to try and eliminate 529s from being recognized on the FAFSA at all. Oh. That's something that we, it's still in very early stages of policy discussion. Oh. We don't know 
when or if that will pass in the future, but that's work that's being done by our trade organization actually to advocate for that, just so it's a simple conversation for families. So they ask that very question. It's like, you can say, no, they actually <laughs> do not impact your financial aid. And you yeah. can confidently say that instead of this kind of detailed yeah. explanation that's that can be confusing yeah. for families. Right. And I think it's important to say too, like in conversations that I know that I've had personally with people who are kind of struck by that um, financial aid piece is reminding people that, you know, any way that they're saving is going to be a good thing, but understanding the impact it could have on the financial aid package doesn't mean that they should stop saving the way that they're saving. For example, that a grandparent does own the 529 plan. I'm a grandparent who owns 529 plans for grandkids. I'm not gonna stop doing what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. But there are, are you know different choices that'll make when the kids are older and they're gonna start needing that money. And in the meantime, we could probably see some changes to the federal um, law yeah. in terms of financial aid change. So in and that doesn't make the concept of saving irrelevant, you know, um, because the ultimate goal is always about helping students not be overburdened with student loan debt. Mm -hmm. So any way that we can help them with that, and really it just becomes something that if a family is just learning the information early enough so that they can prepare for that mm -hmm. type of impact, sure. not that they make the decision not to save because of it, mm -hmm. you know. Right. Okay, and one more myth. Um, you kind of touched on this, but I, I think it's sort of specific to the fact that we have the two different types of plans. Um, the 529 savings can only be used for tuition. You want to take that one? You can go ahead. You did so well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's a variety of uh, qualified higher education expenses, and that's what the IRS calls them, uh, that you can use uh, funds from a 529 plan for, which includes tuition, fees required by the school, uh, supplies, uh, lab fees, uh, books, room and board mm -hmm. is a big one. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't know that that can include rent in an apartment if students living off campus or groceries, uh, if they're allowable groceries. And one thing that, that hangs people up is transportation to and from school is not something that's that's a qualified expense currently. But, but as we've talked about, there's always ongoing efforts to expand the benefits of 529s and how you can use them. So now we've seen that you can use them for certain K-12 tuition expenses. For example, right. families who want to send their children to private school. We disclosed to families that our plans weren't designed around those expenses. So they they have the choice to do that, but but they have to keep in mind that um, the types of investments that they have their, their 529 funds in and whether those are appropriate for K-12 expenses. But yes, they're, they're pretty broad in the way that they can be used. And, uh, and we, we keep seeing enhancements made to where there's more allowable uses. So, mm -hmm. so even the GET, the Guaranteed Program, um, is not just for tuition? Correct. Okay. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So it keeps up with tuition. That's its index, if you will, mm -hmm. that it benchmarks to. But once you make the withdrawal, you can spend it on, you know, you may have some other way that you're paying for tuition through, like, a scholarship. And so you can apply it to room and board or a variety mm -hmm. of other okay. expenses. Mm -hmm. So. so what, uh, where would people go for more information? Website, phone number? That yes, kind of so um, we have a new website we've created called wastate529.wa.gov, so wastate529.wa.gov, and that is a website that uh, just gives a brief overview of Yet and Dream Ahead, and then people can click out to those respective plans and uh, and learn about those. Okay. And they each have their own 1-800 number because right. you, you d are getting a different experience. Um, with Get, it's 1-800-955-2318. And Dream Ahead is 844-529-5845. Uh, 
And so, you know, that's uh, the way that people can learn about these programs and uh, compare them. And then we also, on both websites, have great information generally about 529 plans. Because as we shared, we, we understand that everyone has their own unique savings goals and they need to look at options that work for them and their family. And so we also provide links to uh, one website I mentioned was collegesavings.org, and mm -hmm. that's um, the College Savings Plans Network. And that's where people can learn about all the different 529 plans that are out there. Okay. And we really encourage people to, to compare all those. And, uh, and they may f uh, find that our state's plans are a great fit for them and their family, or they may find some, another state's plan that they particularly like. So mm -hmm. we're always open to people doing their research. Mm -hmm. Great. Excellent. So any final thoughts, something we did not touch upon that we want listeners to know about? Well, we, we have, it with GET, uh, something uh, people don't, don't always know is that we do have an enrollment deadline. It goes November 1st through May 31st every year. Uh, Dream Ahead and many other uh, investment-based 529 plans are actually open year-round, so people can, can enroll in those any time of the year. Okay. Great. Any closing thoughts, Jackie? Well, I'll, I'll jump in for Jackie here just to say I, we really appreciate uh, that you do this podcast, and we appreciate that you've invited us back multiple times now because this is a fantastic resource for families. Um, you know, college savings is just one piece of the bigger financial picture uh, when it comes to either college preparation or just overall financial wellness. And, and we recognize we're just a piece of that. We're particularly proud of that role we fill, but we know that we're not the only only thing a family should be considering. And so I, I just am excited that we have the ability to participate in these kind of resources and be part of that story. And so, yeah, this yeah, is really I good, agree. good for the community. And, and I community. appreciate you for coming by again. Yeah. And so. our computer work this time, unlike the first time last oh, yeah, time. That's <laughs> right, yeah. Well, um, Luke and Jackie, so gracious of you to stop by again the podcast room. I want to say thank you for sharing all this uh, great information, and hopefully we can get more people who are aware of these types of programs mm -hmm. so that we can help families be better prepared for the cost of going to college and how to pay. So thank yeah. you very much. Thank Definitely. you, too. Thanks, Angie. really appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. Good job. I want to thank my guest again for stopping by the podcast booth and sharing their unique story with us. And thank you for listening to today's program. Be sure to go to AveaFP.com to check over the show notes for details and links from our conversation. Have you ever wondered what your potential is for building and maintaining wealth? Right now, go to my website, AveaFP.com forward slash wealth potential to take a free assessment and find out. I bet you'll be surprised by the results. Don't forget to send in your questions and I'll answer them in a special listener mailbag episode. So I invite you to come back and listen again, subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app or at aveafp.com. That's A-V-E-A-F -E like financial, P like planning.com. Thank you for tuning in.